Hi everyone, I'm Madeline Park, a stylist and vintage fashion hound. I believe everything has a story, whether it be clothes or the people that wear them. So this is Style Stories, a collection of conversations with creative people who have a strong sense of style. I sit on my couch with old and new peers and discover how their fashion choices have shaped and been shaped by their family, friends and careers. Together, we tell their style story. Today, I'm chatting to Joshua Beggs, Creative Director at one of our country's oldest magazines, The Australian Women's Weekly. Josh and I met about 10 years ago working at NW Magazine and he left a significant first impression and not because of what he was wearing. It was his high standards and intolerance for fools that struck me immediately. He also had impeccable taste, even if he did pretty much wear the same thing every day. In accordance with his preference for clean, simple, uniform-like clothing, I've styled Josh in a holiday below shirt, Levi's jeans, Zespa sneakers, and a baseball cap from a curated collection available at madelinepark.co. I hope you can sit back, relax, and enjoy listening to Josh's story. Hi, thanks Hi. for having me. <laughs> thanks for coming. Um, do you want to just start off by giving our listeners a rundown <laughs> of what you do? Because creative director is a fairly obtuse Broad term. title. People might not know what that means. Well, I mean, I'm a creative director in publishing from a graphic design background. <laughs> Can I do it with someone else? Keep going. <laughs> Keep going. I, I kind of like that. Right. <clears throat> you can't look at me. <laughs> I, it's so weird though I when know. you can have a conversation and then when you're having a conversation that feels very uncomfortable all of a sudden. <laughs> um, I'm a creative director in magazines. I've been in publishing and magazines for probably nearly 20 years now. Getting old. Yes, I am getting old. Um but I'm from a graphic design background, so I was a designer and I studied graphic design, got into magazines through that and then have kind of developed my career into being a creative director. I still do a lot of mainly design work, but also in photo shoots and across fashion. Okay, so let's jump into it. I want to go like look, look back in time. Um, I think that people uh, do their memories and their history can inform their fashion choices. So do you have a memory in your mind which is your first relationship to fashion? Um, it's a, that's a hard one because I guess when you're young and you're not necessarily like into fashion or into clothes, especially being a boy, you're mm. kind of told not to be that interested in those kind of things. So almost like looking back at it, the things that were always interesting to me about fashion were like comfort and things that I thought were cool. Like my dad's like just to see his old like country road sweaters and things like that were yeah. the things that I always <laughs> aspired to be into rather than fashion. Yeah. I guess my first like where it impacted me was, you know, I grew up in a beach 
town and then I moved to Canberra, which was completely isolated and not on the coast and I went to primary school there. And then we moved back to Sydney when I was in year four or year five. Yeah. Came back to Sydney, went to a school where everyone was obsessed with the exact type of shoes they were wearing, the exact type of brands they were wearing. And at the time it was, you know, early 90s. So it was all of these surf brands that everyone had. Yeah. And that was my first like thing of, oh, this is like fashion is a status symbol that you've got to either be a part of. And that was like my first. So, and as a teenage boy, like I know you, yes. so <laughs> <laughs> I want to know how did you... I don't know that you would have responded particularly well to that. So I feel like you might – did you resist it or what did you do? How did you – Well, it was that weird thing because it, it was almost – Mike, we're just a little bit in the direction of your voice. Oh, like that. Um, it was almost one of those things where because I was moving to a new place hmm. – I guess part of my personality is, is reading the room and reading the cues of what you need to do to fit in with that group or, you yeah. know. So it was a bit more of a survival mode thing of like I've got to do a bit, I've got to get into it a little bit yeah. to get in with this group of people so I'm not the total So what did outcast. that look like for you? The, that looked like um, a Cue the Lions sweater. <laughs> do you remember those? No. <laughs> they were like, like think about... Dylan from Beverly Hills 90210 and he would wear like a, a almost it looked tie-dyed but it was actually yeah. just like a felty woolly oh, yeah, kind of yeah. thing like they a, had a, and it was very soft. they had a big pocket in the front yep. and they were a hoodie but there wasn't a zip hoodie yes it had a big big pouchy po- yep. pocket in the thing and it had a little red logo on the front that was like a, a spiral okay and that was what I wanted right I wasn't allowed to get it for a couple of years because my my parents were very much like you don't need to have any of this yeah you're fine yeah and I think I got through it (laughs) with um like pencil cases wetsuit pencil cases with the logo on it because it was very much that time and I guess we're back in that time a little bit now with fashion is that it was the logos and the brands that were important it wasn't necessarily that you had the most expensive or the best stuff it was just getting the right logo especially I feel like um, especially for teenagers. Yes, you know, yeah. You know, like Supreme yeah. and those types of Yeah, brands. exactly. And that's kind of obviously we're back in that kind of 90s mm. thing where it's just the brand. It doesn't actually matter whether it's real, whether it's, you know, you lined up for days to get it. It was just getting that logo so you felt a little bit a part of. See, it's interesting doing an interview with somebody I know because people that wouldn't know you wouldn't know that I couldn't imagine you wearing a highly branded product yes. now. And yet from what you've said to me, like the, that bit about your casual um, like aspiration to be ca- like your casual dad is still probably like that. It's like the epitome of you is casual dad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, uh, exactly. But, but not. So how would you – how do you think – your history then feeds into your current style in like that talking about that going to a new school and the casual stuff being one thing and obviously you know the good part of going to school in australia is that we have school uniforms so everyone is on equal playing field but you would think that 
you would I, think yes, that. Yes, I, I guess I would think that. And But that is exactly how that plays into my, for the rest of my life fashion is day to day I, I still have a uniform and but I always aspire to just be relaxed and casual, but yeah. I still, I still have that mentality that, you know, daytime is a bit of a uniform and then you go home and you wear what you want to wear. Yeah. Does that make sense? So going into that, do you want to talk a bit about what you're wearing today yeah. and how that feeds into your sense of uniform. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think right off the bat, you can tell that I'm in a monotone kind of outfit, you know, like I like certain colors. I like black and Navy today. I'm just wearing like lighter jeans, a denim jacket or a jean jacket. What do you call them? Denim jackets or jean jackets? I feel like, Jean jacket is like you know why really you know why I like a jean jacket way yeah but that <laughs> that is like the it. jean jacket is to me it's like something I always want to wear because it's like Joey Jeremiah from Degrassi Junior High yeah. like it was always the epitome I of love just how the Canadian laughs at that <laughs> effortless and cool is to just be able to wear a jean jacket and just look cool and can that's you, can you stop <laughs> saying jean jacket though <laughs> I know and now I'm gonna only call it a jean jacket. Um, but yeah, so it's it's all one tone, but it's just different textures of the same color, which is, you know, plays into me as a graphic designer and creative director is that that's what I always, my eye is drawn to different tones and textures of the same thing rather than lots of clashing stuff. I like things to to be able to, um, you know, have have an element of texture or interest to them, but not nothing screams. I don't like anything I wear to kind of scream out and part of that is being a creative director is you are wanting other other things to shine and not be the you know that's interesting because one of my questions was going to be how do you think the way you dress feeds into or has a relationship to what you do creatively yeah I I think that's I think it definitely does is that um you know there's obviously fashion people or people involved in that industry that use their self as their self-expression and, and expresses their creativity through what they wear. To me, I feel like I want my work to always be the thing that is where, how I express myself rather than what I wear myself. Mm. Like I don't, I want to, it, it's a funny thing. Cause I feel like, um, when you're, go into a photo shoot or go into having a discussion about fashion with someone, no one would necessarily see me as someone who's into fashion. Mm. But I, I feel like it's the same with a lot of fashion designers. They're wearing black and they're very minimal because mm. it's the other, it's through other people that you express yourself and your own creativity. A lot for me, you know, that's yeah. how I feel. But um, I've, do you think there's also – so you, you've kind of talked about this idea of a uniform mm. and I would say that like other people in creative industries like a fashion designer will be known for a certain monochrome look. Yeah. But do you think that there's also a creative safety in that? Yeah, I think there's a creative safety and there's a – I mean it sounds stupid and very wanky to say – because it's not why I do it at all, but it is that old Steve Jobs thing of you don't have to think about it. It's one less thing to think about creatively Creatively for the day. Like I put a lot of energy into thinking about how I'm going to be creative in other ways 
and I don't ever want to think about that for myself. I just want to, yeah. it's the same reason why I've never really worked for myself. I've worked for, you know, a lot of major brands and um, a lot of big publications, but I'm not very good at working for myself because I don't like to, I'm not very good at expressing <laughs> my own inner yeah. creativity. So it's like, I don't have, it's one thing I don't have to think about is what I'm wearing. Yeah. And, you know, I think a lot of fashion stuff comes with as well, how you feel about yourself and how you feel about your own body or how you feel about projecting yourself out into the world. And I'm, I am a really introverted person mm-hmm. and I much prefer to be in the background of things rather than being the one that stands out. So fashion Gee. to me is always played into that part of my personality is don't stand out too much. Do you think that that feeds, like, do you, would you say there's a relationship to, like, having moved schools and, like, that kind of change? Yeah, probably. And it's always, like, you know, like, the same reason why you would want to, why I would want to have the brands that other people have is just because it makes you a little bit more invisible in yeah. a way yeah. and just makes you, I, I, you know, being an introvert, I, I really, I, I'm not, like, a, a crazy person that doesn't like to go out or talk to people, but I like to observe other people and it's why I like to direct other people and use my creativity in those kind of ways. Cause I like to observe people and I like to understand them from afar. Yeah. And something like that, you know, fashion can be a little bit of a disguise in that way in that you fit into your environment. And I like to fit into my environment. I like to fit in with other people in, in those environments, but I don't need to be the star. I don't yeah. need to stand out in that way. And I don't want that attention because I want to more, you know, find out about other people rather than people finding out about me in yeah. a way. So yeah. I guess I use, you know, that that is kind of representative of what I wear. So do you actually, I, I wouldn't be able to think of something that I not that I can remember, but do you actually have anything eccentric in your wardrobe? Like do you actually own any one item that you would describe as presently or in my whole life? Well, either. I had a phase where I would buy a lot of green stuff. I had a real phase where, you know. I love how for you that's eccentric. (laughs) Green, it's a departure from blue. (laughs) But, you know, the funny thing is, is it's like you, obviously you experiment with stuff and you, you are trying to find your own personal style, mm. but I've always come back to the same thing. So at some point in time I went, why am I bothering buying stuff that isn't stuff that really I'm going to wear? Yeah. So nowadays I'm much more practical about spending probably more money on things, but buying stuff I know I'm going to get out of use out of that goes with everything. So everything forms part of a capsule wardrobe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the Navy and black yeah. uh, capsule wardrobe eccentric things i used to have a green zip up jacket with white stripes down the side and it was like a real kermit the frog green i feel like that it was probably the most out there thing i mean when i was little i used to um have a gold sequin handbag from my mom (laughs) that i would go and collect snails in the backyard (laughs) (laughs) but you know i mean that's that's about as flamboyant and eccentric as i've gotten in my life that you're just a bit of camp but you know i paired it with collecting snails in it so it was it it showed my the balance of my personality (laughs) between you know 
Um, but yeah, no, I, I mean, a bright, I'm not a bright color person. I, I always in a way wish I was. And that's probably like, I've always wished, I've always seen like a, a pair of red sneakers or a, you know, a red jacket or something like that, that I will, in my head, I'm like, I wish I could be the person that would wear that. Yeah. But in a way I don't have to be because, you know, especially I was the creative director at GQ for quite a long time. Yeah. And doing so many photo shoots with men and men's fashion shoots. It's like, well, I don't have to dress like that because I, I get the opportunity to, to it. well, I, I, I get the opportunity to kind of live out those kind of fantasies sort of thing. Yeah. And that's what a lot of magazines are. They're aspirational and they're, um, you know, fun. It's not always stuff that you're going to wear, but it, it's creating that fantasy kind of thing. I've just never been one that I can build the fan of build the fantasy yeah. And create, you know, that world creation thing that photo shoots and fashion get you to allow you to create. But I've never needed to be the person in that. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy being, you know, it, in primary school, we did Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat yeah. <laughs> as a school musical. Yeah. And I was a person that did all the props and the set design. And I was so happy with that because I get to create the world and watch it all, but yeah. I didn't actually have to be in it. Did, or... you, did you sneakily put on the Technicolor dream? <laughs> no, I don't think I even did. I remember background. very specifically I made corn costumes and I did painted backdrops and did all that stuff. And that's like, how old are you in year five or six? Uh, you're about 10, 11. Yeah, so I was, that was, I was already happy then to be the person we're like with a vision, but not ne not needing to be in it to be happy with my role in a way. Let's talk about your role at the Australian Women's Weekly and it's your relationship to fashion now. Um, I mean, it's been an interesting transition. I was the um, grave director at GQ for almost six years. So jumping from, uh, you know, luxury menswear um, brand to a really, you know, a long running Australian publication. I mean, we've been around for 85 years last year. So the Australian women's weekly has a, such a rich history in Australia and across a lot of different time periods and mm -hmm. has been really integral in documenting women in Australia, what they wear and how that has changed through the years. Yeah. So going into it for me, obviously a lot, um, more mature readership, but my role in going there was to start um, working out creative ways of how the brand could reach a, a, a younger demographic. And we've actually increased our demographic of 35 to 40. What do you consider younger? Um, for us, I mean, our, our core demographic is women in their 50s. Um, in the last 12 months, we've increased readers and just audience in general, 35 to 45 by okay. about 27%. So, in the, you How know. How have you gone about that? Well, I think when you think about the brand and I feel like, you know, we're a similar age and we probably both. Oh, that's finally you admit <laughs> that. <laughs> um, we both probably remember it from, you know, like the late 80s and 90s when it was, you know, our mum got it or our grandma got it and mm. it was kind of around the house or you saw it in the doctor's office or. Very royal. It was very royal, but at the time, you know, in the 80s, it was Elle McPherson in a mini skirt and stuff like that. And it's right. very, it's always been very representative of the time that we're in. Yeah. And I feel like in the, in probably in the last decade, it had slipped a little bit in, 
growing with one particular group of readers. Yeah. Um, and we've kind of got to get back to a stage where we're appealing to, to, to those mature, really loyal audience, but also make sure that, you know, women over 30s know that it's also a, a you know, a journal of what is happening today yeah. with real women how they dress, how they live their lives, the really important stories that are, you know, happening for. And so how do you cater to um, such a broad audience from a fashion perspective? From a fashion perspective, I think it's the most interesting thing going into it has been that, you know, a, a woman in her 60s is not the same woman in her 60s that a woman in the 60s was in the 80s or the 70s. Uh, You know, my mum turned 64 this year and she does not see herself at all as a woman who is 64. You know, when when I think about my grandma being 64, she seemed like, you know, Mrs. Claus. (laughs) Like she was, you know, um, an older woman. Whereas uh, there's there's not that much of a difference between a 35-year-old and a 65-year-old anymore. In terms of the way way they want to, yeah. Yeah, like having turned 40 this year, I I know. (laughs) (laughs) But I, I don't think, that in my mind I dress like a 40-year-old, quote-unquote, and I don't know that I ever will because I I guess I do have a, a as you have said before, whimsical Yeah, whimsical to, and eclectic. Yeah, <laughs> approach to fashion. <laughs> you like, you're not afraid of colour. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I definitely do not think my age should predicate um, what I wear, Um Maybe it's all because I've always looked younger than what I am as well. That I I do get drawn to more youthful styles, but what? <laughs> Sorry, I was uh, just burping. Uh, <laughs> it's the gassy water. Yes. <laughs> it's your fizzy water. It's uh... yeah, it does that. To but me. yeah, I agree with that completely. Like you, like you say, uh, uh, there is really no difference because women should be able to dress however they want to mm. at any age. And I think we went from a time period where it was a little bit odd if a woman in her 60s was wearing a pair of jeans, whereas that is not where we live and anymore. I, you know? that's a, I guess that's a point that I don't think – because trends obviously come and go and I, I guess certain trends do get a pitch towards a younger demographic – but I don't think that your age should lock you out of, of any particular access to fashion. Yes. And I think that's the approach that we take is that nothing is is off limits to an, an age group. And, and I guess in a way we don't follow trends as much as yeah. they – is that everything needs to tie back to – you know, being practical and being flexible for a lot of different lifestyles and a lot of different women at different stages of, our, of their lives. But it's about wanting to look the best that you can look and not have to fit into a particular, uh, you know, age category of now you're this age, now you dress like that. Mm. It's a lot more open. Women are a lot more... Um, empowered to be confident in the way they look and dress in also a body positivity sense. Like Mm. there is no um, need to kind of be like, well, now I'm a little bit older, so I have to cover everything up. It's Mm. like, 
Um, so that's the way we approach it. Um, obviously, I'm not kind of across picking the actual clothes and stuff, but also, you know, from my perspective, it's more about how do we shoot these women so they don't, um, it doesn't, it's, it's open to a really broad range of women and that is it comes across of how we shoot the photographers we use the locations we choose to shoot we shoot a lot of uh, multi-generational shoots and we've been increasing that um over the last 12 months of just shooting a lot more um women that you know in that sense of i love a photo shoot that has a bit of a narrative and um those narratives kind of work really well in that we do a lot of kind of not just mother-daughter stuff, but women of different ages that just look like they're, you know, out for a road trip. We just did a fashion shoot that's in our next issue, which is um, uh, we shot it all in a town called Gulgong. What is that? Which is, it's kind of like out near Mudgee. Right. And um, it's a really good representation of where we've kind of been pushing it in that it's this really fun photo shoot with two women of an age that's not important, you know. They're out in this beautiful um, country Australian town, just kind of having this fun weekend. And the fashion is really broad. It goes from kind of like, you know, a a big uh, easy kind of maxi dress that you could wear, but also some streetwear brands. It was all Australian labels. It was all um, sustainable or had an element of sustainability or ethical um, uh, construction or production. Do you think that's... Part of the future of fashion, yeah. From where you sit, yeah. In your job, it's really important for us. Obviously, where we tell stories for Australian women, and you know, we say we're the voice of Australian women. This one in particular was important because these people in these country towns are suffering from the worst drought mm. in a hundred years. You know, like ninety nine percent of the state is in drought, and it's important that we make decisions about every aspect of our lives and make the make an informed decision about what we're buying what we're wearing and we've been big on that because it's not just about those cheaper price points it's actually about going well this is a little bit more expensive but you're going to be able to wear that for the next 10 years not just the next couple of months um so that's been important for us to to get across those messages and be supportive of Australian brands, but also Australian communities and, and what the, you know, the practicalities of living in it. Cause it's not always fashion to me is not always the most practical thing, um, in the world. You, you obviously personally have <laughs> yes. tried to make it very yes. practical. You make it practical, but make you, you know, be able to, um, be who you want to be with some practical and, um, sustainable elements to it. So back to you. Hmm. Did you originally start off in a porn magazine? <laughs> <laughs> it's a very personal question, yeah, Mads. I know. Um, I did. I started off, I did a um, <laughs> Masters of Creative Arts. I have a Masters of Creative Arts and I went straight into porn magazines. So you've gone from porn? I went into a straight porn magazine, which, you know, as a nearly 40-year-old gay man, was one of the best jobs I've ever had yeah. in terms of an education of, you know, for me as a as a designer, learning to design with boundaries, yeah. with content that you're not particularly interested in, with, um, you know, 
pictures that you don't want to necessarily <laughs> see, but work out a way of communicating to that audience. I think we've and gone full circle because we started <laughs> off talking about a seventies bush, yeah. and now we've gone. Back. But you know, I, I think so much of either being in fashion or being a graphic designer or, or, or any creative thing, you know, whether you're you've worked in porn. You've worked for like a kids magazine. Yeah, I've worked You've for worked for celebrity tabloid. Yeah. That's where we met. Worked You've, for luxury, luxury fashion. Luxury fashion now Australia's most most read magazine. We just became the magazine. number one um, magazine in the country for the first time in the last decade, which is amazing. Um, but you know what? All of those things have really taught me how to communicate to an audience. So it's it's no different. My job is no different working on a porn magazine than it is working on a high-end fashion magazine. But or that's why you're probably one of the most respected creative directors in the community because you fully commit to whatever it is that you're doing with a really strong work ethic. I think it's that, but I think it's also, you know, whether that is how you choose to dress every day or how you choose to decorate your home or whether you're, you know, in the cheese business and having a, you know, <laughs> selling cheese to people. It's what your intention is there, who you're trying to reach, who you're trying to market yourself to mm. um, and what message you're trying to convey in in that. And, and that to me makes that, that's why, you know, like as a creative director, I think a lot of people were surprised when I left GQ and went to Australian Women's Weekly because it's kind of like, but, but you're in, the luxury end of things. Yeah. Why are you going to something that's more nothing's generic, more mass more generic, than, yeah. you know, the woman's weekly. And it's like, well, because it's all the same job. My job as a creative director isn't my personal style or my personal um, yeah. thing. Actually, it's, I was listening to um, an interview with Anna Wintour uh, and the economist the other day and she was pretty much saying the same thing that she feels no need to have her own it was in relation to social media but her own kind of personal Anna Wintour presence because she works for Vogue yeah so she is happy to represent Vogue um and she's happy to be interviewed as Anna for Vogue but but the brand is is the star that's exactly what she was saying yeah um, and and that's it, that's it. I think as a as a creative director, it's like you're you, you need to be able to direct the creative side of any brand that you're working on. Future wise, do you have a, like something that you would a, a box to tick or a, a particular like any personal interest in like the next role or the a future role? Look, I mean, I think it's it's such a tricky time to know what's next I think yeah. with any of us in our careers yeah I'm in a stage where I've, I've worked on a lot of Australian magazine titles and I've worked for a lot of publishing companies that's my kind of my true love is publishing and print products I love yeah. books and I love magazines um I would love to see that industry have a real um, turning point where we get back to a time where there's, I, I feel like a lot of people lost respect for magazines because mm. they didn't see it as practical because of the internet. And I don't think the, the internet or digital stuff is to blame. I think we are all to blame that we all of a sudden thought that we should get everything for free. Yeah. Um, and that 
lost that respect that a lot of work goes into creating images and um, creating fashion stories and, and journalism and all of that. And we, we have lost respect for that because we've been given it for free and right. it's really hard to turn backwards and go, oh, no, you should be paying for that because we pay all of these staff to do it. Yeah. I would love to see um, a turning point, but I'm really open to how my skills that I've learned through all of that apply to other things, apply to, a, um, you know, a, the bigger digital companies and how they're doing it. There was a, a story the other day about how um, Apple have been hiring a lot of magazine art directors in America. Right. Um, and they've hired a lot of Condé Nast art directors. And it's because art directors and creative directors are really flexible. We are creating content for print magazines, for video, for online, for just really pulling together the, an aesthetic that represents a brand and that is applicable to anything. Mm. I think um, we're in a transition time where um, digital companies kind of think you need to have a digital experience and come from that world and they're starting to realise that actually we need the people that come from a world that is just communicating with people yeah. and who's best at that. And so I'd really like to explore like where my skills can um, apply to different areas. But at the same point, I'm really happy with where I am. We've had really great kind of experience with the weekly and just seeing where that can go. Cause it's actually, you know, we've been growing a lot in the last year and it's exciting to see where that could keep growing. And, and f from a style perspective, do you see your, quote, unquote, uniform changing or evolving <laughs> as you get older or does the rules of Women's Weekly apply to <laughs> Josh Beggs? I think based on the last 12 months, I will probably be more of a uniform dresser. <laughs> I, <laughs> I am now at a stage where I am buying just multiples of the same thing that right. I like. I like what <laughs> I like. I buy multiples of the same T-shirt that I like um, because I think – as you get older, you'll just get a little bit more confident, you know, like you were saying with you yourself, you turn 40 and it's like, well, you wear whatever you want. If you want to wear a 12 year old's two piece, but then if I want to wear the same thing every day, then yeah. I am, I'm happy enough with that. I don't, I'm not at a stage where I'm worried that people are going to be like, did you not wear that same thing yesterday? Do you think you'll ever get bored of it though? I don't think so. Uh, you know, I think back at um, even high school when I wore my school uniform, I would wear a white button-up shirt with rolled-up sleeves. That's my and favourite part of this interview <laughs> so far is that you were like, isn't it great that in Australia <laughs> children have to wear school But, uniforms? you know, I do honestly think that because I feel like you look in look at America and so many, you know, obviously they're not in a, an amazing place at the moment, but yeah. a lot of um, – I, I think there's, a, there's not a bad – it's not a bad thing of all being on a level playing field when you're that age. And I feel like, you know, especially for school age kids, it's like when you start being able to have a hierarchy or categorize people based on what they're wearing, it can create some problems. So I am never that concerned that um, I have to wear a uniform. I like it and I still like it today and I will probably like it in the future. <laughs> all right. I think that's a nice wrap. <laughs> Thanks, Josh. <laughs> Thank you.
A chameleon wears his skin as a disguise, and like a chameleon, Josh from an early age has used clothes as a means of fitting in, blending into his surroundings, not drawing attention to himself. Whilst this level of sameness and attraction to uniforms acts as an armour for Josh, it also allows him to manifest all his creative energy into his work. This is why he's been able to work for an adult men's magazine, a luxury style title, and now a publication that actively promotes incontinence products, and why he is one of the most coveted creative directors in the Australian magazine industry. He's one of the most tasteful, creative and dedicated people I've had the privilege to work with. And when he takes off his armour and lets his guard down, you see he is also one of the funniest and most loyal people you will come to know.